Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Germany is totally controlled by Russia. Donald Trump stew in the UK today for the first time as US president. Meantime, the US embassy in Britain is currently worried about the safety of Americans during the visit. In fact, it's issued an alert warning people to be cautious as large anti-Trump protests are expected to be held in London. July has been an extraordinary month in Britain and America. You've had the fervour of England's progress in the World Cup, the President of America siding with Vladimir Putin over the FBI, Brexit has taken yet another left turn with the resignations of Johnson and Davis, and whilst Donald Trump had tea with the Queen, 100,000 Brits protested his very presence and flew a blimp over Parliament to mock him. As a special relationship gets less special, the Mid-Atlantic podcast sees the other side. I've been producing this podcast since 2013, with Mid-Atlantics trying to analyse the news from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other, and it's never been more needed than now. My regular co-hosts include Salon Senior Political Reporter Amanda Marcotte, journalist and writer Mick Wright from GQ, New Statesman and The Daily Telegraph, Oxford academic and best-selling author Chris Cotuna, and emergency communications expert Doug Levy, and Alice Thwaite, the founder and editor-in-chief of The Echo Chamber. In recent episodes, we have covered the threat or the promise of a second referendum on Brexit, the crumbling special relationship between the US and the UK, and how sporting success and failure play into national identity. And we've even looked at the gulf between Russia's politicians and her people. If you want to share my passion for Britain and my wonder of American politics and culture, why don't you go and download the Mid-Atlantic podcast today? This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. It was the best of time. It was the worst. She was the people's princess. To fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man. These are the things that made England. To fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. 
These are the things that made England. And the King of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. Hello, everybody. It's that time again when you've downloaded your podcast, and it's the things that made England, and it's me, Royfield Brown. And alongside me, I have... I have me, David. Awesome. Now, David, have you ever spent an extended period away from these hallowed shores? What I mean by that is more than a couple of weeks. I don't mean like you've just gone to Greece or Marbella or Mallorca on holiday. Have you gone to deepest, darkest Peru or, you know, somewhere where you've got you've been away from uh, Blighty for, you know, over two weeks? I worked in Toronto for six months once. Uh, when was that? Pro- what? Approximately what years? It was a World Series on with what's his name Gibson. We've talked about it. Yes, we've we've talked about this before, haven't we? Um, what was one of the things that you missed about uh, being uh, not not in Britain? I'm going to contend that one of the things that you missed was Radio Four. Would I be right? I well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to give that answer, but yes. I think you may be right, because I have quite a deep love of Radio 4, actually, as uh, as it would happen. Welcome to Just a Minute. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Nicholas Parsons, and as the minute waltz fades away, once more it's my huge pleasure to welcome our many listeners, not only in this country... But around the world. I haven't played the game actually, but I understand it's become a bit of a craze in the last three or four months. You see various people trying to fit the numbers between one and nine into various grids. I don't really understand the appeal of it other than that. Crosswords seem to be so much better. But I will talk about Sudoku with a knowledgeable look in my eye, and perhaps I'll be able to bluff Nicholas into thinking that I'm knowing what I'm talking about. Sudoku was invented in 1927 by a man called Alf Roberts. <laughs> he used to be the mayor in Coronation Street, but then he got fed up with that. Yeah, that's not quite the way it worked, is it? Yeah, that's there, why it worked for there, them. There, there are. That's how it worked. For them, women who'd lived in this country all their lives found themselves in immigration detention. We are talking That's here, how it works. We are talking here in the context of this uh, memo, this document. We are talking about <coughs> enforced removals. We are talking about illegal immigrants, people who shouldn't be in this country at this time. Would not the Labour Party have targets for the removal of illegal immigrants? I just said to you, any government department should have targets and performance indicators. So what precisely has the government done wrong? And what it's done wrong is to have to broader target. Good evening and welcome to Gardener's Question Time from the bottom of the garden. Tonight on the panel we have Bob Flowerpot, John Cucumber and Bunny Greenhouse. How old are they? Over 5,000 years old. But to get us underway, who has our first question, please? Um, Hello, my name's Pascal from Cuddington. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me the names of some plants. Your listener's question has been submitted by Chris Lanham in Goodick in Pembrokeshire. What's the musical connection between a native North American tribe, J. Edgar Hoover, a maritime exhibit in Oslo, and a legendary island first mentioned by Plato? Radio 4 
is something which is deep in our bone marrow. This is a visceral expression of Englishness, even though it's part of the British Broadcasting Corporation. Is, I was just going to say, right, for that, all those words that you've used, I would have said mm. the most unradio four like. This is the thing. Radio four is is such a cultural conveyor of English sensibilities of left and right, conservative and liberal and progressive, all at the same time, that it does something which is almost unparalleled in British forward slash English culture, that we can all take away some part of it, but it's a lovely, warm comfort blanket. And it's very wreathian. It goes to the very heart, the very nuance, the very... uh, of just uh, what the reason why the BBC was set up in the 1920s. And it's all the things which are great about our liberal, the small L country and culture. So what is BBC Radio for, David? What is it? It's a visceral bone marrow thing. All right. Okay. It's a radio station. It's a radio station. Sorry, you're looking for a more simple answer. I do apologize. Yeah. It's a radio station which is owned and operated by the British Broadcasting Corporation that broadcasts a wide variety of spoken word programs. So you don't tune into it to get the latest pop ditties at all. It's news, drama, comedy, science, history. It's all that kind of clever stuff. Um, And it replaced the BBC Home Service in 1967. Um, Now, this is how British, forward slash English, but I say even though you get Susan Ray, um, a continuity announcer who I love, on that station, it still sounds quintessentially English. But this is how English, how British, how into the the DNA of Britain this, this, this station is. The long wave signal is part of the Royal Navy's system of last resort letters. Is that right? So, exactly. So that is when submarine commanders are told to let go of those nukes. Yeah. And then they're supposed to check that there still is civilization left, right? What they're supposed to do, in addition to other checks, is to check for a broadcast signal from Radio 4 on 198 long wave to verify that the annihilation of British society has or hasn't happened. I really should end Fundamental. this whole point now to say this is how British, how English, and really it's English Radio 4 is, that every submarine commander with a nuclear weapon is told, after you've let go of your nukes, check, and if there's a signal from BBC Radio 4... England is still standing. Sorry, so the, the rule is that if, if Gardner's question time is still on, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, BBC Radio 4 is the second most popular radio station in the UK. And it has a wide listenership from expats and Anglophiles around the world. And one of the reasons why I asked you very clearly, when did you go to Toronto? It's because I've been traveling um, outside of the UK uh, extensively for some almost 20 odd years now. And when I first started traveling, you couldn't listen to Radio 4 at all. 
those lovely warm tones of the continuity announcers and whether it's Gardener's Question Time or whether it's Woman's Hour or the Today programme. But now with the internet and with streaming, you can. And it has made the world a much smaller place. So there are some 11 million people that listen to BBC Radio 4 on a weekly basis. And at least half a million of those are outside of the UK now are Archers fans. And there must be, I don't know, I'm going to say um, another million plus who listen uh, streaming it because it's a massive slice of English home wherever you are on planet earth this is this is playing to your uh your archers your love of the archers isn't it royfield well it it means that i can keep up with it wherever i am and there's loads of anecdotal evidence that what what expats always say so you get you know the british expats in marbella or in tuscany and let's be honest about it radio 4 has a very affluent listenership affluent middle class elderly listenership it may be the expats who right? listen to radio 4 radio 4 something that brought us together what it coalesces around uh, Radio 4 are certain views of England, of England's literary wealth, where it's Shakespeare, Dickens. It's where we've led the world in being progenitors of thought. Yeah, I'd advance some other things. I mean, you know, I also share a lot mm. of Radio 4. I would... Yeah. Uh, I'm not... Yeah, I mean, yes, there's quite a lot of intellectual clever stuff on Radio 4, it's true to say. But there is also two other things. There is mm-hmm. a lot of humour on Radio 4. Yes. A lot of very English humour. So give me the name of the funniest radio programme in world civilization, accepting that I haven't heard any other radios apart from Radio 4. Uh, um, the funniest radio programme in the whole history of radio programmes, Around the Horn. Around the Horn, that was quite good. Actually, that was quite, quite good. I wasn't going to say that, but, you know, respect for your choice. I was going to say... Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. What a brilliant, well, I mean, brilliant, brilliant I mean, program! Just, just. Mm. Uh, I loved Clement Freud, who always used to cheat and just go through lists, <laughs> which I'm showing my age. And then the Kenneth Williams, who were just elasticate words. You're thinking about just a minute. This is Humphrey Littleton. Oh goodness, there you go. Yeah, but just a minute is another one, uh, incredibly good, and uh, the news quiz. So there's a whole, I mean, I love the, oh, the comedies on Radio 4, absolutely. You, you are right, you are right, David, that there is a lot of humour, right? But I would say it's the humour conceit is for the educated. It's hard to do slapstick humour on the radio anyway, I'll take that point. It's witty. But this, it's witty. But exactly, this is all witty stuff. This is all very knowing it's and quite clever. Yeah. Right. But... So what Radio 4 has managed to do, as I said, it it manages to have very conservative elements. But also, uh, when it decided to have Woman's Hour, that would have been a very progressive thing back in the, let's say, the 1960s or so. And you do get edgy comics on there uh, just before The Archers, between that half half six to seven slot. So... It does manage to, to to pull together these kind of almost kind of quite disparate strands in terms of kind of thought, and it does it in a very idiosyncratic way. But what Radio Four absolutely is is known for is 
it's kind of great monolithic programs. So things like the Today program or the World at One. And both of those shows set the news agenda for the country and arguably are definitely the the Today program anyway, or is the most influential political program in the UK. And I think there's something like 7 million people weekly listen to the Today programme. And in the 1980s, Margaret Thatcher would ring up unprompted. She would hear John Humphreys talk about something and take umbrage and she would ring up. That's how... That's actually very funny. Is that right? She's like, get me on on radio for Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) it's funny actually quite interesting because i would say you and i are picking Mm. up entirely different things from radio 4 so you know i have no interest in radio 4's new news output seriously i think it's just dull and flat i agree with you that other that i'm in a minority of one um Mm. what i love well those comedy things i also love the homey stuff so gardener's question time dare i say it the archers and well, Tweet of the Day. Tweet of the Day is an absolute, you know, the world is listening to the call of the the gold crest. Those are the things I love about Radio 4, actually, not really the new. It's idiosyncrasy. It, it, the fact that it's kind of odd. It, Radio 4 should not work, but it does. So Gardner's Question Time, here, here's, here's one thing. So Garden Question Time, do you know when it started? I what know, year? actually. 1947 is that right and it still feels as a there's, you know there's a little feeling about 1947 in every show when bob flowers you start talking about his courgettes i am there in 1947 david the program sprang from the wartime dig for victory campaign and that's what you're referring to you still feel that you know what the war only just happened three years ago, oh, I think two years ago. The wrong connotations there. I'm talking about the back to the earth. We're talking about the subject, which is going to be my next subject, actually, of allotment farming. That whatever you do, wherever you are, <laughs> however bad life is, dig the soil and you connect yourself mm. with untold generations of people who have done the same thing. That's what I'm talking but, about, not the war. I'm- all right. You are right, and you're much more poetic than me. There is something about gardener's question time which does feel like it's been frozen in time that is because these are okay this is a universe how to grow a courgette yeah but david david think about it it's gardener's question time and it has held its own since 1947 against television at first television was black and white and you say okay they can't they can't describe those marrows and those courgettes and how beautiful the roses are and and the bloom of this plant over that plant and whatever because it's black and white tv and then we had color tv and it's still holding its own then we had hd tv and we still tune into gardener's question time because on radio that marrow that courgette is infinitely more beautiful because of the power of imagination than watching it on tv and and there is something about the detailed practical knowledge which uh, were given from those gardening experts which again we get distracted by actually by looking at the bloody things that's much so special actually, of course is that still radio for i go on to five mm. live now and it's on long way. Oh, no, I think it's gone, yeah, hasn't it? Right. It might still be on long way, but I actually think, no, it's gone. Oh, yeah, don't be yeah, silly. Yeah. I mean, Touch Match Special is still on, but it's just not on Radio 4. No, 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 that's what I mean. It's yeah, not on Radio 4. That's exactly what I mean. Because I was going to make the point that um, you're right, Test Match Special is so much better because it is not on television, because they have to describe what's going on. 
that one of the reasons why they have to entertain you know all the time as it were and that's why it's so much better than watching mm. telly because i've given you an easy ride so far and i don't like giving you an easy ride i don't like giving you mm. any kind of ride at all well you did challenge me when you said what's uh, my favorite funny program and i deliberately said round the horn uh, knowing that it's stuck in that like 45 years ago but anyway go um on. i mean it's all very well but you know radio is hardly an english invention who did invent the radio? Uh, Marconi. Was it, wasn't wasn't, wasn't it John Logie Baird invent? Oh, God. I don't know. Wasn't he so Mar- Marconi? Yeah. He was a naturalised Englishman, wasn't he? Something like that. Italian, first Marquis of Marconi, the Italian inventor, electrical engineer. I'm sure he did, did it in he England. do it in England? 1894, demonstrated, uh, transmitted to his mother. Blah, blah, blah. <coughs> We've always claimed him as an Englishman. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. A plaque outside a BT centre commemorates Marconi's first public transmission of the wireless, uh, wireless signal. So, yeah, it's British. Okay. I mean, Royford, just because yeah. I need to challenge you, the English hardly invented mm-hmm. radio, did they? Uh, with a name like that, you know, born <laughs> he, and bred, he, born he and bred. first in England, ergo, <laughs> he's English. It's a great invention, ergo, it's English. Come on, get with it. Uh, kind well, no, an Italian who uh, on British shores actually demonstrated it. Actually, that's Marconi, not really he's the fair dinkum English. But no, it's not about the medium itself. It's that station conveys so much about England, the our tolerance, our quirkiness, our obsession with gardening, our it, the news program is the foremost news program in the country news and politics program in the country it sets the national agenda don't care whether a brit invented radio in and of itself but you speak to expats and anglophiles around the world and they will tell you that it's literally a magical thing streaming radio for and there's things which shouldn't work like the shipping broadcast which we've all bumped into at times with that beautiful music sailing by. Oh, my God. It is a warm blanket. David. You know, I can't listen. David, I'm tone deaf. I'm tone deaf. All I know is when it comes on, it's beautiful. And you want to yeah. get put your slippers on you or do. tuck yourself Gold up in bed. South and, and Sarah, even, what comes next? Promity. Mm. Oh, dear. <laughs> David. And this goes to the very heart, really. And I've, I've used that expression before. Radio 4 is part of the institutional fabric of the United Kingdom. So Gardner's Question Time has been running since 1947. The Today programme has been running since the 1950s. The shipping forecast, guess when the genus of that was? I'll, I'll, can we be out can we just, by 20 Before years. you go on to that, can we just go. deal with the genus thing, which is joining the list of mythos? Geno, genus, well, okay. Uh, so when was the origin? Is that what you're asking me? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was in 1721. Well, you deliberately just gone <laughs> sorry, way out there to try and prove point. But eight, really 1861 right. Good was God. the first. Yeah, yeah. 
This thing has been running since then. Basically, in 1859, a steam clipper called the Royal Charter was wrecked off Anglesey. And basically, Admiralty said, we need to prevent this type of thing happening in future. So they started a warning service, uh, the shipping service, in 1861 using telegraph communications. And when the BBC got its charter to broadcast, that was then passed on to the BBC. So the shipping forecast has been part of England and the waves since the 1860s, and it is still there at 12.48 a.m. That shipping bulletin will air, and then it ends with the announcer wishing you a good night. Sure, there's actually there's a funny, funny sketch, isn't it, where some is it one of the not the 9 o'clock news one, where somebody's killing the chap doing the uh, shipping forecast, and even though, or I think having sex with his best friend or something, and he cannot stop saying the shipping forecast in the requisite tone. Um, okay, so fair enough. You you hit me with another one, another great, you know, another thing that we both like. British constantly throughout this conversation, mm-hmm. you've used British. Sometimes you've tried to side it out as you do actually by going British slash English. But you know, I'm sorry. And this is what I can't quite work out myself. Just as you know, the Welsh has got. Bear in mind, there is a Welsh national BBC radio service and a Scottish one and a Scottish. Gaelic one, right? Radio 4, even though it's British, feels very English. And I threw out this question on Twitter today, which you did also answer. I said, what is your um, Radio 4 show, which is peak England? And Gardner's Question Time came up. The Archers came up. Book at Bedtime came up. It's an exemplar, and I haven't quite figured out why, of Englishness. Maybe it's because it feels very home counties. The continuity announcers, I think there's one from Northern Ireland. There is definitely two that are Scottish uh, and Susan Ray being one. But even though they are the glue that knits these shows together, I would contend that Radio 4 still feels much more English than it does British. What you don't get with Radio 4 is a whole load of Geordie accents, Brummie accents. It isn't commercial radio in that regard. It isn't Radio 1, which feels very northwest. This feels very establishment, and it feels very home counties. And I know that controllers at Radio 4 go, they would say they go out of their way to include other accents and, and to be more inclusive. But it still feels, in, it still feels it lost- quintessentially English. Just like lost me, right? I mean, you're saying that Radio 4 is English because it's very establishment home counties. So, from the Midlands, how can we possibly put that in a cabinet? You know, how could we? It's now impossible. Well, it's gone. It's it. Well, I'm prepared to put it in there because of its quirkiness. It isn't just that it's part of the establishment, as I as I said before. So much so that Margaret Thatcher would would ring up unannounced and that the shipping forecast is has been in effect run since 1861 and Gardner's question time was part of the war effort and the archers ditto it's quirky it's wonderful we lose ourselves in it you speak to anybody throughout the world who listens to Radio 4 and I'm sure they would say when I think of Radio 4, I think of England. Oh, yes, a general problem. We're getting onto a big subject now of people so. concatenating England and Britain. None of us any good. I'm going to say, no. Royfield, 
I share your love of Radio 4, okay? Mm-hmm. Absolutely share it. And uh, different mm-hmm. bits of Radio 4 maybe, but still nonetheless. But I am going to say that is the one of the very few institutions, I'm struggling to think of any others, that is one of the very few British institutions which mm-hmm. make the UK worth fighting for. And I can't say, I can't think of many others, that this is actually a British thing. I, I'm going to disagree you do with that, you. that, Royfield. You I'm disagree Technically, you're right. David, technically, you're right. And the programme which arguably the BBC say their flagship show is the Today programme. That's what it says on BBC Blurb. Our flagship show, which comes on at what? Is it 6.30 until 9 every morning? Is aired by John Humphreys, who is a Welshman. Well, he's been doing it for over 30 years, which again tells you about what a part of the, the fabric of the nation that this show actually is. But his Welsh accent aside, when you then listen to most of the contributors, they always seem to be from a certain type of England. And then when, when it's Gardener's Question Time, whenever I listen to it, I do switch it up very quickly. They always seem so to be in true. some beautiful English That is so, uh, not, true. That is so not true. The, um, hmm? the, the contributors they have on Gardener's Question Time come from all over. And the things are uh, broadcast from all over. So not true. Gardner's question time is very good at going around. Just a minute. Most people on that are are what? Oldtonian, so fair enough. All right. I would contend that the voices that we associate instinctively with Radio 4 are English ones. And I know there is John Humphreys and I know there is Susan Ray, but they've managed to, in one way, pull off a trick and then and in another way, not fulfil their remit because it still feels incredibly English. It's The fact that it's come out of the, the BBC Home Service and it's part of the, the light programme, and the DNA is still there and it still feels very English. But I'm prepared to actually lose this one in the cabinet. But I contend that anybody re- that listens to Radio 4, who has listened to Radio 4, would actually know what I'm saying. They'd go, you know what, I know what you're saying, Royfield. And I think part of it is that there is a BBC Radio subtraction in that there is BBC Radio Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. What, what are you left with? BBC, BBC England, England. BBC Radio what? for England. England. Uh, yeah. Right, I'm going to um, I'm going to say I share your love of Radio Four, uh, but I think. Well, no, you yeah, don't. You share a love of different I, bits of Radio Four. Um, share your love of Radio Four, different bits of it, maybe. But yeah. I respect Radio Four. I don't oh. love it. Oh, is that right? I love the love of I like no. the love of bits. <laughs> you, know, the, you know the boring straight laced bit, newsy bits, which is so true of just us, isn't it? So what are you saying that the arches is? Oh, you the do like the arches. That's news, true. Anyway, let's not go over old ground. I'm going to stick to my guns and say, but I think it's a British thing. I've hardly mentioned the arches. And you're going to stick to your guns, and you're going to say Radio Four is respectable, worthy of respect, estimable, but is an English thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have I summarised that correctly? I, I think so, and I know Fiona did say at the end of uh, the, her last social media roundup, she said, is everything going to end up I being in the cabinet? She, I think this might be a close run thing. So shall we see what this week's social media roundup yes, has let's said do that. about you and queuing? Unfortunately for you, dear listeners, Fiona is temporarily out of action. So you have got me again. 
and unfortunately for me, you lot have been far too interesting, and I've got a flood of fascinating comments to try to fit into this slot. I think I am going to have to categorise these comments to impose some sort of order. Firstly, there's the comments about the subject in hand. Queuing is doing very well on that front. We've had some great tales of squirming shame as queuing etiquette was infringed. Or of some poor English person, armed with little more than a severe stare and maybe a harumph, attempted to educate some foreigner on how queuing should be done. Personally, I was shocked to the very core of my being to hear that Royfield is one of those people who does not immediately merge the moment he sees the famous man struggling with an umbrella sign on the motorway. Then there's the comments that hark back to previous subjects. For instance, this week, Royfield came face to face with reality over his Canadian breakfast when he was offered HP sauce to smother his poutine. Raleigh identified the poutine. I had heard tell of this national dish of Canada and it looks just as revolting as it sounded. We also have the comments on the ever-expanding list of requests for topics to be covered. Peter recently suggested adding our love for the French, which would at least have the virtue of being a short episode. And then, of course, we have the interminable debate of what precisely constitutes a thing that made England. David thought he had put this to bed, but this has not proven to be the case. Not by a long chalk. This time round, Ben has to shoulder a lot of the blame. In the words of Vic Reeves, you wouldn't let it lie. Then finally, we had a little look behind the curtain when Warryfield revealed some of the process, the magic that goes on beneath the glossy surface that delights the ears of us, the listeners, when he admitted that he and David were about to record and he didn't have the heart to admit that it, to his co-host that he couldn't think of a topic. Obviously, the Facebook team was only too happy to suggest ideas, such as the BBC, the Archers or Doctor Who. Presumably, Royfield can do the Archers standing on his head. And with all this going on, we also get entirely new stuff to discuss. Jennifer, one of the most stalwart of our Facebook team, opened up a new debate. There is a poll going on to find American anthems. And not for the first time, our friends from across the pond have gone for the obvious. America by Simon and Garfunkel. So what's the English equivalent? What's our anthem? David wanted to know whether we could have Jerusalem or abide with me. The answer was a clear no. Personally, I think our own Hermione Granger, Alan, who always seems to get the answer right, was spot on with always look on the bright side of life. And given the political situation that we are currently in, cheerfully whistling a ditty while being crucified feels more than fitting. I really can't do justice to all of the above, so please do come on over to our Facebook group and chip in. I'm sure we'll have a great discussion about the raid wonderful Radio 4. You might have something extra to say about topics that have been previously covered, or you might want to add some ideas for the topics to the list. David and Royfield are working their way through the list of suggestions. Andrew suggested queuing two months ago, and after patiently waiting in line, queuing he got. I feel that the what the hell are we actually talking about here debate will run and run. Blimey Charlie, here I am rounding up, and I haven't even mentioned the poll. Well, 
unsurprisingly, it was fairly convincingly in favour of queuing going into the Cabinet. It has got 85 votes, for it being an expression of the English character and unique social rules. 11 people were unsure and are waiting in line for the next one. And only four people took up the clarion call to strike a blow for freedom and to put queuing in the bin. Quite how you put queuing in the bin, I don't know. It would also be a challenge for Jennifer to put it into the cabinet. So thanks all. Hopefully Fiona will be back soon to delight you with her mellifluous tones and I can put my feet up. Fiona and Luke, thank you very much. As every week, we, we should say it, and we will. Really nice of you to do it. You do such a brilliant job. Uh, just before you wrap things up, David, one thing we should do, maybe in, in the next episode, is quickly run through the list of people that have written us a review on iTunes. Uh, we have asked people to, to do it in previous shows, and people have done it and we should just rattle through uh, their names maybe next week. But that's not an excuse for you to rest on your laurels if you haven't... Well, you can't rest on your laurels if you haven't done it. That's not an excuse for you to wait until we hear the list of people next episode then to go, oh, I'll, I'll write a review. Go write a review now, and then we'll mention your name. Great. Thank you, Royfield. Um, that's Shouldn't I be saying that actually. to you because this is actually my show and I proposed it? David rules. rules. That's what I've got. To do. I've got one thing to say to you, David rules. And good, if I propose point. the show, I then wrap it up. So I'll. Okay. So uh, thank you for that, everybody. Uh, I'm prepared uh, to be less combative on the old Facebook regarding whether this is truly English. I think it is, and I think most people that listen to it kind of know that it is, though the charter says that it's British. I'll see what you all say on yeah. Facebook. David, as always, it's been an utter pleasure spending one hour and 20 minutes in your company, and, but now <laughs> yes, I need to okay. go Me too, and do me some too, things. but I'll miss you again, Royford. <laughs> Galloway to the Mull of Kintyre, including the Firth of Clyde and North Channel. Variable, mainly northerly or northeasterly, three or four. Fair, good. And that's the end of the shipping bulletin, which brings us, of course, to the end of our broadcasting day here on BBC Radio 4. I'm handing you over to our colleagues at the BBC World Service in a moment. They'll be there to keep you company through to the night, through to the morning. There's a variety of listening, of course, across all our BBC networks, but Radio 4 will be back at 20 past five with the next shipping bulletin, and that's followed by a news briefing with Chris Aldridge, marking a brand new day for us here. I hope you'll be able to join us for some of it. But now it's time for me, Marae Devlin, on behalf of all of us here at Broadcasting House in London, to thank you for your company and say a very good night. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.